0: As I look out across the land, I see God's mighty hand As a bride of Christ adorned in a wedding gown Just like in the days of old, they stood courageful, they turned that old were cast out, in jail they sang and shout, while surrounded by God's holy
1: thank God. Why don't you greet one another, wave to somebody next to you, Bless you. wish them God's blessings, and you may have your seats just for a few moments. We've been uh, a little longer in our preliminaries, but that's okay. We're still going to be a little longer in our preliminaries today, but that's okay. We're here because we want to make much of the presence of God, and we feel like we're not going to be governed by time. We're moving into eternity. That doesn't mean we start it today, but we are moving that way. <laughs> Amen. God bless you. God bless all of you that are streaming, that are not with us here today. You're just as welcome as those that are here, and we pray that the presence of God would be just as real where you are as where we are, and we're inviting God to be in our midst. So to all of those that that aren't here. We, we welcome our good friends, Brother Steve and Sister Joanne, the Fulkersons from Calgary. They've been just uh, real soldiers and uh, in Calgary for many years. So we thank God for their lives and we pray God bless them and their family. Um, I wanted to make mention that um, in a few weeks from now, February 4th to 6th, their Brother Kelly Hildebrandt is having some meetings. He's calling them winter meetings. But it's a February 4th to 6th, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, with Brother Timothy Pruitt. So saying that to any that are interested in, in, in going that way. We've got a few things I want to just share on, on a missions front. If you could, um, first of all, I, I, we did some missions on our New Year's Eve, and we didn't ha- have a chance to have Brother Tito speak on, on Guatemala. We're not going to do that today, Brother Tito, in case you're wondering where I'm going with that. You're going to be okay, don't worry. But I just wanted to share a couple of things and give you a little bit of perspective. Um, uh, Guatemala is a country we've been involved in, but if you can just play that first clip, Sister Ruth, this is from the country of Colombia. The language that you're hearing is Spanish. If you understand Spanish, you'll really appreciate this. If you don't, just, just, it's just short. Don't worry, I'll, I'll, we'll help you explain it. But if you can play that first clip. This is actually, sorry, that, that would have been Colombia. I didn't make that clear to you, Brother Mark. Sorry. Go ahead. Hermano Jorge, aquí está, aquí le envío este videito de los, eh, el almacenaje de los libros. Están todas las estivas con todos los libros. Aquí es donde almacenamos el alimento. So these are our cartons of books that are there. And, Brother Bob, just what you said this morning, I don't know if we can really appreciate what God has given us in this last day. We have books, we have tablets, we have digital form, we have everything. But there are people in the world that do not have the message in their language. And it's imperative for us to be a part of that commission and to bring that. And when you see the hearts of people, now books may not mean a lot to you when you look at them in in cardboard boxes, but play the next clip. This is a pastor passing them out to his congregation. (inaudible) I think that was hallelujah (laughs) Wouldn't you be happy? Wouldn't you be happy? My, that, that ought to be our joy Their joy ought to be our joy Let's never lose what it means to get the message out this is wonderful. I, I, I love this. I love this. And uh, so this oh, is yeah. South America. This is the country of Colombia. Um, I, I was talking to Amen. Brother Paul Lafontaine earlier. This, they're they're all rejoicing. I was talking to Brother Paul Lafontaine, who has been instrumental in uh, uh, helping the translation of the Spanish language, which is there. They're having books. Voice of God brings out tablets. Other brothers bring out the books. Brother George Smith is also involved. But this is wonderful to see this. And so I, I just say, let, let's not just, you know, just say, well, that's somebody's doing it. Let's be a part of it. We may not be there, but let's be a part of it in our prayer, in our burden, and in saying, Lord, send it out. Bring it to where it needs to go. So these, these, these saints are just happy. They're rejoicing. And I think that's wonderful.
2: Amen.
1: <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't want to spend all the time. I was also speaking to Brother Robert Wilson this last week. He's originally from Ghana. He's a brother that is in Chicago. He's uh, He goes, much like Brother Harold did many years ago, he goes where there's not established churches. He goes where there is no and he's been involved in some of the northern African countries, Tunisia, Mali, others where it's, um, you know, 99% Muslim. But he feels that the gospel has to go out. And We've helped him, and and Lord willing, I'll get into that in a a future service sometime. We also um, had a little clip, and if you just show that photograph, Sister Ruth, this is in the country of Malawi. And uh, we had mentioned um, uh, different brothers that are doing different things. We, Brother Harold, had been very instrumental in, in, um, in working with Brother Dixon years ago in Malawi. But in Malawi, they, you're all familiar with the blue books that we have back there. Well, we, we still send out books. We had a book packing on Friday. We sent out some orders. But it's becoming difficult with postage and cost to, to do that. But there's other brothers that are doing it. And um, these brothers, they I mean, Brother Barry and I believe some of them, they printed some blue books like we did in honor of what Brother Harold did. And the people are all holding these books with the three things in. And they take the next picture. They're holding those books. And if you go anywhere, those books are still there. It's wonderful. When I was in, uh, in, in Africa, that is to me is something that is like home. The other thing is, we finished a service and they put on some music. And who did I hear? The Believers from Saskatchewan being played. So I think that's wonderful. <laughs> Oh, and if we could take what Brother Abraham said, one soul that we are linked to, you'll be linked with them for eternity. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Let's just say, so they got books. This is just a little clip, a video clip from a congregation that had received the books. and They're happy. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> hey, and I, I also put that clip there in case anybody's complaining about your seating arrangement. <laughs> Look at theirs, okay? So let's just be happy with what we have. Um, I want to show one other photograph, uh, if you could put that on. This is from Tanzania. These are books that have arrived in Tanzania. There's a brother, Elias, who is there. Um, and they uh, Tanzania is where Brother Zephaniah Peters was many years ago. So it so happens we have a brother here today that was just in Tanzania back in December, and that's Brother Steve Fulkerson. So I asked Brother Steve if he would just come up and share a little bit of, of what you just saw when you were there. Can you do that right now, Brother Steve? And Sister Ruth, if you get that PowerPoint up, if you don't, real quick. Is this all right this morning? I, I don't want to make it seem like it's rushed, because this is important. This is part of what we're, we're doing here. Brother Steve, this is yours. God bless you. You just press that button, and that'll move forward for you. Yep.
3: All right. Mungu awa bariki. God bless you. (laughs) Salamo kwa gina la buona, Jesu Christo. Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you go to Tanzania, you need to learn a little bit of Swahili, because that's what they speak over there. So um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit uh, just about a a quick trip that uh, we did in December. Myself and Brother Burley Williams from South Carolina, don't, some of you may know Brother Burley or have maybe been at a camp where he ministered, and um, we kind of had two um, objectives of going to, the, to Tanzania in December there. The first one and the main one was uh, was a youth convention, actually, and it was uh, what was really interesting for us, what was really neat for us, and we didn't know until we got there, was that this youth convention was not sort of started if you will or it's genesis was not the normal way in fact it was driven organized run by the youth and in fact they were the ones that pushed brother elias who um brother uh, ed just mentioned in the in the photo there brother elias actually brother elias palanjo is the minister that took over for brother zephaniah peters in uh, in tanzania in arusha there so anyway, he was telling us the story that all these youth came to him and said, "Look, it's it's our turn. It's it's our turn. We need to have a convention." And so they started. He said, "Okay, fine. You guys go and you know start to to talk about it and amongst your your friends and your brothers and sisters." Well, this thing took off, and um, it was. Um, so amazing what actually took place what i'm going to show you here first of all this first picture is um they had the they had to rent a university and none of the churches were big enough to hold all the youth and this was they they were invited from all over the country oh I, can i go backwards oh there we go okay so this is this is a, a, a actually a classroom at a university and it it houses uh, it'll seat about uh 500 people it's hard to see now, but everybody involved was the youth and the most amazing thing to me Was that actually one of the young brothers actually did the translation for brother Burley, which was If any of you have heard brother Burley you can imagine that he's not the easiest person to translate for But um, this young brother did an amazing job So let me just Can I flip to that next one there we go so you'll see uh, <clears throat> This is, the, this is the outside of the building. There's, we had probably 300 to 350 youth at this uh, meeting. Um, if you look real closely, you might see me in that picture. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, here's the testimony that was so, uh, such a blessing to us. So the youth, um, they went actually out and spoke to... Uh, They're ministers and they well first of all they came to brother Elias and Sadly and this is not uncommon in other parts of the world. There are churches many churches in the area and they don't fellowship a whole lot and so But you know honestly that doesn't mean anything to the youth and So the youth went to their pastor and said you need to invite all these other pastors Because we want our friends. We want them all to come. We want them all to be there. So they did that and I, don't, I didn't bring a picture with me, but there was about 12 to 15 pastors that brought their youth there from all over the country. Some of them took buses for 15 hours just to be at these services. And, um, and they were, the pastors came as well. And so there was fellowship. There was some healing. There was some amazing things that took place because the youth were the ones who were driving it. Now, just to, uh, I, uh, today, we're going to talk a little bit for or for a minute here about support. Like Brother Ed talked about the books, and that's off, excuse me, that's obviously very, very important, and that's been going on for many years and needs to continue. We're going to talk a little bit about how else people can help. So let me share an example. Um, nope, not yet. Um, so. The, um, this, these services, So I, when we got there, um, we said, well, how many, you know, we were kind of curious, how many people, how many youth do you think are going to come? And he said, well, probably a couple of hundred or so. And I said, well, is there some that aren't coming or can't come? And he said, yeah, well, many of them can't come because they can't afford to come. You know, the two aspects to the cost, one is the trip there, which is a bus, which isn't too bad. But they had to pay for their dorm room at the university. And I said, well, how much is that? And he said, well, for four nights, it's about 20,000 Tanzanian shillings. That's 10 bucks. That's $10 Canadian, right? I said, well, just phone all the pastors, tell them to send all the youth. We'll cover the cost of the, of the, of the, of the accommodation. So that's what he did. And, but, but just imagine, for $10... IT'S NOT A LOT OF MONEY FOR US, RIGHT? BUT FOR THEM, IT MEANT THE ACCOMMODATION AND THEIR ABILITY TO ACTUALLY COME AND PARTICIPATE IN THE YOUTH MEETING. SO GREAT THINGS happened THERE. THE OTHER ASPECT OF OUR, um, our TRIP WAS um, MORE ON WHAT I WOULD CALL THE INTERNAL MISSIONS. SO I, I WANTED to, TO JUST SAY THAT, um, YOU KNOW, BROTHER HAROLD, is um, he's, he's a soldier. He's been, uh, he was so instrumental in blazing the trail for so many others to go to places like Africa. And as a result now, what's going on from a mission point of view is largely going on internally in the country, which is what you want. You want them to take, take up the mantle, right? And, and that, so that's what they're doing now. So this is a good example here. This little church here is in Namanga. This is a, believe it or not, this is a brand new church. Um, and this is in, this is, this is what they would call their jungle, okay? So we think of a jungle as just lots of trees and whatever. Their jungle is just, it's the middle of nowhere and there's nothing, okay, um, except huts. Uh, and so this church was, is fairly recent, and this is a good example. So in Arusha, Brother Elias has the church there. Uh, and he sends ministers to, to these little groups, and then they see how it forms and see how people do, and then they build a church. And then that brother who's sent there as a missionary, he's a minister, and many times, ultimately, he ends up moving out there, and then he takes over that church and passes that church. So this is the kind of thing that's going on internally in Africa and we can support that as, as believers here in North America and the way we can do that and the way we did that Or one way we did that is that um, When you go to these very remote areas of course roads are um, Difficult in fact, it's probably a stretch in some case to call them roads um, They're just off-road. Let's put it that way. It's off-road so the only way they can be transported and get around these ministers Uh, to the people is with motorcycles. So what we were able to do in this particular case is we were able to purchase a couple of motorcycles. Again, I don't, I'm not sure what kind of motorcycles they are, but you know, they're good enough for what they need. Those were $1,250 each. Right, so for $2,500 we can buy two motorcycles and we can have two more ministers, mission ministers, out in the remote areas of, of an African country. So, God bless you. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. And uh, it's a great day to be a Christian, isn't it? Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. We appreciate that. And and, uh, we've talked with Brother Barry Johnson from time to time. He has brought some funds, some of it's come through to us to help in places. But they're instrumental in Calgary, and Brother Steve goes along. Brother Steve's not the minister, but he, they did ask him. You notice that he went to a youth meeting. <laughs> he's he's projecting ahead, <laughs> but uh, he also um, took uh, a little bit of time in his service to advise them on things that Brother Steve would know, which is on finance and jobs and and how to deal with in practical aspects and and uh, and that. It, Tanzania is not a wealthy country by any means. They're, they're very, very rural, very much. But I believe God makes a way for his people. We can apply message principles. Let's stand up. If we can, we're going to turn to the word. I appreciated just that little opportunity. I saw Brother Steve. I had talked to him in December. I thought it'd be good if he would just share that. It's always good to have that. And you know what? We're connected as a body more than ever. And... I, uh, the Bible says God would do a short, quick work. I don't know what it's going to take yet, but I want to be in tune with where the Lord is leading us. Amen. Let him, let him have his way, so let's, let's just um, let's just sing Send the Light, if we can. Send the Light, the Gospel Light. There's a, a call comes
0: ringing o'er the restless way. Send
1: If we could just sing just quietly, just to change the order before we turn the word, pleasing, let me be pleasing. Oh, pleasing,
0: let me be pleasing.
1: gathering today. We thank you for the songs that have been sung, and even as the prayers that have been offered. Lord, these are natural things that we do, but Lord, we've also sensed that your Holy Spirit is among us this morning. And Lord, we're inviting you. And as we invite you, Lord, we're also conscious of our humanity, our failures, our faults. So we would ask you, first of all, forgive us, Lord, where we failed you. Look through the blood this morning. And Lord, we pray that you'd pour out your grace among us. Father, we living, we're living we living in dangerous times. If we could really see it for the hour that we're in. Lord, help us to be a little conscious, a little more conscious of the reality of the time we're living in. I pray, Father, as the word is minister today, I've yielded myself even up to the very time coming here. And now, Lord, I'm asking, take Brother Ed aside, not just me as a minister, but take every one of us aside. Lord, we want to see Jesus this morning. We want to see you deal with our hearts and our lives. Lord, move beyond the perimeter of this building. Move to situations. Move to our loved ones. Songs were uttered for loved ones. Prayers were uttered for loved ones. Father, we're asking you, O oh Lord. You are God, and there is none like you. We invite you, Lord. Take the preeminence in our midst today. We ask your blessing now as we open the word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Brother Ray, thank you to the musicians. Thank you for your patience this morning. We are well beyond what we normally do, but that's okay. We're going to just go this way. Turn, if you will, to the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 139. Um, Just so I can put it in a proper perspective, last night they had a hockey game. The hockey game is one hour in time. It took three hours to play it. (laughs) <laughs> so, I'm just saying, <laughs> don't expect that it. it'll go three hours this morning, but nobody was complaining at the game yesterday because they won, I think, but um, I, I, don't, I don't know, I just heard that this morning, but at uh, any rate, we're here because I believe we want to make much of this time. Through this portion of Scripture, I, I I'm just wanted to say I so much appreciated the Spirit of God that was here on Wednesday as our brother Moses spoke. And I, I believe that God is dealing with us on some levels. And tonight our brother Max is going to speak. So between brother Moses and brother Max, I'm just going to try and fill the gap a little bit here this morning. But Psalms chapter 139, this is David. I, I don't know what kind of a channel he entered, but this is one chapter that has so often come to me. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassed my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before. And laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. We live in the darkest time, but there is light for a people in this hour. He says, for thou hast possessed my reins. If you actually take the reins, that's the heart, that's the the seat, the very part where God dwells. He said, Thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! Verse 23, search me, O God, know my heart, try me, know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. God bless you may have your seats this morning. I, uh, I, I really probably had more than I could minister, and then as I came to the service this morning, and I just was, my wife asked me, so how do you feel? I said, I, I mean, I, I've been in a subjects all week long, but I just want to find the channel. And this morning, as we were just talking in the office with Brother Ray, I just maybe felt a nudge to go this way. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to take all of what this scripture had really encompassed when I first wrote it down, but nonetheless, we're going to start there. I'd like to speak today on standing on the border of time and eternity, and that's a very broad statement to make, but it's also um, something that is, is very much where we're at. We're very aware right now that things are happening, moving in the world around us. There are changes. There are currents and ebbs and flows moving among the nations, moving among the people. And Brother Branham would say it this way. He'd say, we're standing tonight watching two great scenes unfold. One is... The ending of history, the other the ending, the other one is the ending of time. And great men down through the ages has longed to see this hour that we're now approaching, and we're living in the glorious setting of the mortal sun and the breaking of the eternal light. I do feel we're living in one of the grandest ages that has ever man has ever been permitted to live. It's the closing out of time the blending in of eternity. I don't think there's much history needs to be written because it'll never be used. Now, I'm gonna read just this one part of this same quotation. You, if you read this, you could actually say it was written yesterday. But it says, we're running out the national crisis National security is running into shallow water. Traveling around the world, it seems like not only our nation, but there is no nation that knows what to do. There is, seems like there is turmoil everywhere. That's, that's what's happening outside. That's what's happening around us. And, and Brother Branham would go on and say this. He'd say, This Laodicean church age is the grandest of all the church ages. It's the ending of time and the blending of eternity. And he says, and then it's the greatest sinful age. It's more sin in this age than has ever been. And the powers of Satan is many times harder to fight than it was in any age, see here. This is where we are at. This is where you and I are at today. And I, I want to just take take this as a springboard. I, I'm going to really try to not, I just want to take and be sensitive to the Lord this morning. I'd spoken the last two services this year on God's spirit in flesh, in the world, then and now. And I took the first part of it as he was so are we. The same God that stood before Pilate and heard the background noise of people crying crucify that was standing before a leader, but he knew where he was standing. And the bride knows where she is standing. We're not trying to worry about what's happening out there. We're not trying to gain favor, but we're standing with God and walking with him and talking with him. And that's where we are. And then last week, we just took speaking on that which is out there, which is without, but that which is within. So this is some continuation of those thoughts. So there's very much a movement that's going on in the world. The Bible we believe, the message we believe is not stagnant. It is a, it's a living, breathing word. It's not just, I listen to that, I listen to that, I've attained to a knowledge. No, we actually have to move and live and breathe it because it's continually unfolding. It's continually unfolding who we are, who God is, and where we are at in this present world. So we need to look at it as a living, breathing entity. Don't just put it up on a shelf. And we refer to what's called the message the message is a person. The message is me and you. The message is a relationship between God and man. The message is not an organization. It's an organism, a living, breathing organism. So this is where we're at. So Brother Branham would speak in 1964. At the beginning of the year, in, in, in January, he would speak in, in a message called uh, Shalom. And he talked talk about... The symphony. He said, there's great trouble everywhere. The, everybody knows it. Everyone has become a neurotic. I don't know where we were talking, whether it was in fellowship somewhere this week, but I think it was, it was Brother Paul LaFontaine. He, he, he told his church, he said, we are gonna go on a fast. We're gonna go on a fast from the electronic and digital world. And he says, in other words, he gave a challenge put down your phone, fast for one hour a day. And the, and the church went silent. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. I, I, had a, I had a man who was a Pentecostal man this last year in, in some of our dealings. He, he, he was born in the Northwest Territories. He's a, he's a lawyer, his wife's a doctor. Two weeks every year, they have a cabin in the middle of Great Bear Lake on an island that they built themselves. And he says, he says if you ever want to retreat, he says, we'll fly you out there. And you can stay with it. It's wonderful. There is no cell service. There is no Wi-Fi. There is nothing. And I started to reflect, and I said, if I become neurotic, that I couldn't do that. Listen, the world we live in is Neurotic but there's a God that is real. Now, I'm not, I'm not issuing that challenge this morning, but he says, everywhere something is wrong. The only way you'll know, now, he's, he's referring to if a trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who can pre- prepare themselves for war or peace? He says, the only way you'll know is if you look at what the music sheet says. So a music sheet it has ebbs and flows. It has isn't this amazing? I'm teaching you about music. It says it has ebbs and flows and it's going up, it's going down. It hits high spots, it hits low spots. But you've got to be in the spirit of that music. And I believe we've we've had a, a time when we had a, a great burst, a great mighty flame uh, the prophet came on the scene. There was He arose with healing in his wings. It was a great move. And, and then he went off the scene. And, and, and then the churches came forward and things came forward. And it seems like it's been quiet for a long time. But it's not going to stay that way. God is going to dwell in a people. God is going to be God. And we're going to see him in a way that we've never seen him. I, I've, I've, I've read too many things about this. And I feel like we, we're, we've just gone a little closer to eternity. A little closer. We just sang about the New Testament church. If you read the New Testament church in the book of Acts, the Alpha Church, that was not a church anybody casually joined. That was not a church and said, oh yeah, my name's on that book. I, I, I'm. No, this was between life and death sometimes. And if we're going to be that, it's going to be that at the end. Now, he would say, now he says, we've got to see what God's great symphony is playing out so then we can see the hour and we know where we're standing. Now, prophecy, you know, it's there. But when... God, and God brings his word by, fulfills his word by bringing it to pass. And when we see things happen, and, and, and we can talk in the world out there, we can talk, oh, you know, there's a woman that was dressed in purple in, in the White House. And we can say, is that the fulfillment? Well, God will make it known. We can say, oh, Israel's where they are. Oh, the, Russia looks like they're going down for the oil. You know what, these are things that have been in the message for years, but it looks like it's coming, it actually quickens us. Because we say, is this the hour? It looks like a lot of things are moving together. A lot of things out there are coming together, and, 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 and what was just words on a page, they need to be life to us. We, we've looked on him. We've pondered it. Mary, before she ever gave birth, she may have pondered the scriptures of Isaiah, a virgin will conceive, and, and she thought on it. She reflected on it. And as she thought on it, because that was where she was at, I believe that's how the angel came to her. I know she was predestinated. But it took her to move into that channel. Now, so the word was laying dormant. The spirit picks it up. You know, there's many quotes. I labored about taking some of the quotes that, that we've viewed as being out there for time. You know, they talk about shutting down the churches. Well, it seemed like that was way out there. I don't feel like that's so far out there anymore. I, I, I feel like you could take other things. I, 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 I'm not gonna take this today, but I'm just throwing a couple of things in. Brother Branham talked about the big machine. Watch when the big machine, what is the big machine? It's politics, it's religion, it's economics. Watch when the big machine starts to move. And I, I thought, we're seeing it come together. Now that's out there. We can talk also about, you know, the, when, you know when, when he would take other quotations and he would say, you know, when, when you see, you know, the, the Catholics talking to the Jews and they so such and such, And and you say, Well, when I see that happen, we can talk about the earthquake in California. Well, when I see that happen. But did you know that in the middle of some of those quotes, the bride disappears? If you're waiting for some of those things to happen, it may be too late. So don't rely on the tree of knowledge. Don't rely on what you know and what your knowledge is. Rely on the tree of life, which is your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what will take you through. That's what we need to be dependent on. So I'm not going to go into those today, but just saying all of that. So in the middle of all of these things happening out there, there's something happening internally. There's something that's happening. So as much as I see that happening, you know what really rejoices me? When I see somebody saved, and when I see somebody coming back, and when I see, you know, when, when you see things happen, and you see them happen, and, and you go, God's doing something. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to do it. But God's doing something. I, 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 this isn't today's message so much, but I, I was listening to the message when Brother Bradham speaks, Speak to the Mountain. And in there he takes Mark chapter 11, verse 22. But he talks about how Jesus was on the road, and he was walking to Jerusalem, and he was hungry as a man, and he desired to eat figs from a tree, but it didn't have any fruit. It didn't have, and the Bible says it wasn't even in season. It wasn't the time of figs. And he says, And he says, no man eat the fruit of thee forever. Now, how that manifested or how that played out, that wasn't apparent by what he said. Because the next day when they came back, it says the fig tree was dried up from the roots now, he never said that, but he spoke the word. And when he spoke the word, he God knows what he means when he says the word. And he'll bring to pass the image he had in his mind when he spoke it. Which is, our thoughts are not his thoughts. Uh, you know, his ways are not our ways. And, and we can have saying, well, it's got to be this way. Let's be careful that we don't get so entrapped to think, this is what I see. Let's be open and say, Lord, lead me and I will follow. Let me walk with you and I will follow. Because we don't know. Sometimes we speak the word or we think, this got to happen this way. God is bigger than that. Yeah. Whenever you think like that, I say nine times out of 10, if not 10 times out of 10, it happens different than we think. We are living in a tremendous hour. Now, I'm going to use this scripture. Before I I want to go to Exodus just for a moment, but it's we're living in this sort of interlude, if I can call it, or this time when when there's nothing. Just just pick up Revelations chapter one. I'm skipping some of the other scriptures, Sister Ruth. Sorry about that. Revelations 1, verse 4. It says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before the throne before his throne so this is John the revelator he's speaking now now notice the words he uses grace and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come so so there's Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever so he was something, he will be something, but he is something. And he's moving us from the, from the past to the future, but he's doing it right now. And he's doing things, though the world can't see it. There's a bride getting herself ready. There's a bride putting on her garments. The world can't see it, but there's a people that gather, that come to church, that say, this is important. This is serious. This is not just casual. This is not just sitting back and allowing it to happen, whatever will happen. No, there's something we've got to do. There's something we've got to embrace. So he'll also go on, and I, I, I could read more of this, but to save time, in verse eight he says again, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Now, you, you need to view this as, as, as movement, as he's moving, because so often we've become accustomed, we, we point back to when Brother Branham was here, when the message was here, but we, we need to make this real to where we're at right now. Okay, so I, I I could read another part, I'll save it for another time. Let's go to Exodus 30 or Exodus 24 to just paint a picture. Exodus 24. Now, this is when God speaks to Moses. They've come out just to, to give you a little bit of the picture. Abraham's seed, God told Abraham, your seed will be in, in, a, in a strange land for 400 years, but I'll bring them out. Now, God has brought them out. He's called Moses. He told Moses, who met him at a pillar of fire, bring them out and worship on this mountain. So now Moses comes, and, and in verse 24, if I, if I take it to verse 12, he said, chapter 24, verse 12, and the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount and be there and I will give thee tablets of tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written that thou mayest teach them. Now they came to this mountain and the mountain quaked and trembled and and did all these things and Israel said don't let God speak let Moses speak. And God says that's what I'll do. And so, and then Moses rose up, and his minister Joshua, and Moses went up into the mount of God. Now, you can read from Exodus 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, this is what God was speaking to Moses up in the mount. And he was going through detail about the tabernacle, about the priesthood. He was going through the order, the approach, and everything that had to happen. And he, and he goes through, and then the culmination of that was two tablets of stone with the Ten Commandments. So it wasn't just, well, he took him 40 days to get that. No, there was a lot of things going on. A lot that Moses absorbed and put together. So as we go up to Exodus chapter 31, verse 18, This is the ending of that time from, from Exodus 24. And he gave unto Moses when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai two tables of testimony, tables of stone written with the finger of God. Now I, I'm, I'm going to, this is where the service changed for me this morning. And I, I, I'm going to be a little bit sober about some of these things. We've seen the message, we've seen preaching, we've heard the tapes, we've got books, we've had all these things, and sometimes there's a level of understanding that we, yeah, I got that, but there's not a depth of it, and it depends where we're at, and I'm, I'm going to use an example, I'll use it on myself. I was raised in a home, that was a message home, but I wasn't saved, I wasn't converted. I went out into the world, I went out into the world, and the world became common to me, the things that this is the way the world does it. I got into sports, I got into all kinds of things, and I remember, you know, it was common for me to go out on a basketball court with shorts on. That's what everybody else did. That's what all the guys did. And unfortunately, it was a time not when the shorts were down to here, but it's, they were a little less than that. And, and, and it was, this is it's not, don't, don't, don't go over there with your minds. Okay? And, and, and so, you know, and, and, I, and, I, and I thought that, and then the first time I heard the message, and I heard Brother Branham speak and say, there's nothing so sissified as a man with shorts on. I go, is he real? <laughs> That was my thinking. But now I've been ingrained in so much that I can't stand that. So it depends where you're at. You've, it's not just receiving words, but it's receiving the reality of those words. It's that they become a part and a fabric of your spirit where now sin is repulsive to you. It's not just in your head, but it, it's a part of your fabric. You're grieved. When somebody says something. You're grieved when you say the wrong thing yourself. And you go to lengths and say, I've got to apologize. Friends, this is the ground that we are living on. This is the place, whether we realize it or not, that we are at today. And so it becomes not only what we see of sin, but it's what we desire. Because our desires change. And, and the Bible would say, if any man loved the world or the things of, were the, of the world, then the love of God's not in him. Now I think, but I love my John Deere tractor. That's not what he's talking about. Or, or, or I love my quad. Or I love this. That's not what he's talking about. God gives you those things. Thank God he does give us those things. Oh my. There should have been more amens than that. You know, but but now... All of these things, it has to change inside of us. Now we took this last week and we took 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10, about all of these things have to be in samples to us. And we went back into it. Now I'm I'm picking up part of that. So here's Moses up in the mount. All of this is happening. It's wonderful. It's glorious. But let's just shift the scene. Chapter 32, verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we what not that is become of him. You could take this service and say, Now in the delay, what happened? The angel of the Lord was right there beside the prophet. And in that time, nobody dared say a word against him. But in the delay, since that time, men have rose up and say, no, that didn't happen that way. No, that didn't say that way. I'd say, that is dangerous ground to be on. And, and as we took this, this service last week and we said, there shall arise in the last day scoffers. Now, I, I, I use those things. That doesn't mean that you have to go in openly and have a website that's against the message or anything. But you can be in the thought patterns. You can be in this downplaying and in the hardness of your heart, you can begin to go down paths where it's, it's treading on, on what God has done in His holy ways. Men have done. So what happened? Aaron was a type of the priesthood. What's happened to this precious message that came not from Jeffersonville, that came not from anywhere else, but it came from heaven. Men have rose up and they've made it of their own for for their own gain, for their own belly, for their own strife, for their own vainglory. Oh, God help us. God help us that we don't ever use it for us, but let God use us for him. I believe that's where we're coming to. So, we, we could read all of this, but here, here is Aaron, the priest, influenced by the people. and he, he, But he himself does it. He gets the earrings and he gets the gold and he breaks it up and and they bring it to to Aaron. And in verse 4 it says, And he received them at their hand and fashioned with a graving tool after he made it a molten calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Could you imagine now, I'm going to bring the scene together right away. Could you imagine, here's Moses up in the mount, receiving something no man has ever received in this way before. This is the first exodus. There was a second exodus, and there's a third exodus. And we're in a third exodus. Types and shadows do not fail. So here, he, he's saying, and, and here, what does he do? He, he doesn't just, because Aaron's excuse later is, Well, the people made me do it. I just threw him in the fire, and out popped this calf. Uh, hold on a second. There were some steps. It says he fashioned it. He did this. And there's men that for years, years, can take the message and make it something and craft it to be for their own gain. I will say this. God will not be mocked. God will not allow that to prosper. God will not allow that to carry on. God will dwell in his people again. Now, so here's this, this picture we're presenting, and now we, we can could, we could see what's happening, and in verse 7, while God is speaking to Moses, God's not unaware of what's happening. He says, and the Lord said unto Moses, get thee, get thee down, for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. We live in a very serious hour. Our thought life, out of our thought life comes words and actions. The things we dwell on, the things we focus on. The Bible would talk about the kings of Israel and how one king did this And then the next king did this, and it seemed like each succession brought them to a further depth until it came to King Ahab. And Ahab, the Bible says, because it was a light thing, he didn't, there was no warning bells that went off. And he, he thought it was a light thing to take Jezebel as a wife to him. Now the pattern that took him down that road, you might say, oh, I'll never go out in the world. But, but the devil doesn't need to get you in the world. He just needs to get you off. The, the quote I just read out of the blending of history, Brother Branham would, would, would say this, what a great age of deception. The two spirits so close, he says it would deceive the elected if it were possible. Now listen to these next words. People can live a clean, holy life, not be sinful, adulterers, drinkers, or liars. They can live above that and still not with it. Now, I'm I'm taking you on a bit of a limb. I I would like to bring this all in one service, but I'm not going to be able to. So you give me grace to go on this limb today. Because we need to hear it straight for the hour that we're in. He said, this is the age of the life, the personal life of Christ, where the chemical of his body that was in him. If we are following the message of the hour, we should live constantly in the life of Christ. Because if you don't and you lay around and you these things that you're supposed to do and don't do it, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it's sin, then you become doughty, rotten, and you're separated from the life of God. So strive with all that's in you to stay in the life of Christ that you be fruit-bearing. One of the most amazing scriptures in the Bible to me is when Naaman the leper came up to Elisha. Or is it Elisha? I think it was Elisha. And he, he wanted to be cleansed. And Elijah, Elisha, if I'm wrong, just you can correct me later. But he 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 didn't come out himself. He sent out his servant Gehazi with the word, and and it actually was a test for Naaman to see will you receive not the man himself, but will you receive the word of that man through a servant? That's a test today too. And he says so. Gehazi told him what to do, and and and. Naaman was wroth, we know the whole story, but Naaman had a servant said, if he told you something difficult, wouldn't you have done it? Go in the river Jordan, do what he said. Well, he did what he did six times. The seventh time, everything changed. And he went back to Gehazi. Now this is the man who was right beside the prophet. The man who was right there. He, he, he could hear how God, he would hear it over the table, he would hear it, everything that was said. And he came back to Gehazi and he, and, and he says, you know, can I give you some money? And 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 Elisha said, No, 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 money. And and, and Gehazi is right there. And he's saying, We need money, we have nothing. And so he, when Elisha says, he goes running. Now the spirit of Judas was prevalent even then. Because for his own glory, he was right there, but still not there. You're saying, Brother Ed, you're making this awfully tough today. I'm, I'm, I, I want to be real. I, I'm not here to make a heavy on you. I'm just saying, if you're, if you're not where you should be, don't just come to church. Don't confess the message. Don't just say those things, but live those things. Live them in your words and your deeds on Monday and Tuesday. Live them in your thought life. Live them where you're at. In the words you say about a brother or a sister. Be honest. Be real. Be real. Why? Because the hour is coming and now is. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take a little, little, little bit of a, a, a change on something because we're talking about this time of interlude. There was a time in the first, the Antiluvian world as we call it, when there was a man named Noah. He preached his message for 120 years. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. And finally God says, come in the ark. And God shut the door. Now Noah was in the ark. The door was closed. The judgment was going to come. Day one, nothing. Day two, nothing. Day three, seven days. And in those seven days, Maybe Noah began to question. Maybe his sons questioned him. Dad, are you sure? And outside the ark, people go, Huh, nothing's happening. Hey, it's all okay. Let's just rejoice. Let's be merry. But that was now, if you just think about it, now there was a time no more would come in. No more would go out. And Brother Branham says that would repeat again. So you might think, human nature is, well, when, when something happens, then I'll get serious with God. I believe the Spirit of God is speaking to us. Brother Moses, could this be the last year? That, that was a good question. There's other times, other places that the same thing happened, and I, I won't go into it fully. I want to speak just for a few moments about this here. God has always put borders on things. You can can take it right from the book of Genesis. He took light and darkness, and it says he divided the light from the darkness. God created that division. So that was a border. He also took the borders of botany life, and he says, okay, botany life, you stay in the channel that I made you. The way I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna put a seed in you with all the ingredients that you that form you, but you can pass it on to someone else. And 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 so, you know, tomato plant, you can become a tomato plant because all everything is in you and you stay in that channel. He would do the same thing with animal life, kind after kind. He would would take then the day and he would put the sun there for the day as a light that would govern the day. And then he would have the stars, the the things to govern the night. God created those boundaries. God created those divisions. He's also the one that made man male and female while they were in one body. And while they're in one body, but that was a border that God, there was a masculine, there was a feminist in the theophany spirit. Genesis 1. Genesis 2, you know, and I I took this service. I I really debated to to do this, but I'm not going to do justice to it. But at Christmas, we spoke the message on the divine expression, and I took it from (coughs) the perspective of the angels, what the angels saw. And the angels would witness all of these things. They witnessed the division, they witnessed this. But what I, what I want to put to you today is the angels didn't just see the geographical borders. The angels saw the holiness of God. And the angels who were created, they couldn't help but say, holy, holy, holy. Because that's how great this being was. And the angels also saw what I would call the sacredness of what God did. And you wouldn't dare replicate it. That's why when Luther stepped out and he desired something beyond the channel, there was a group of angels said, how can he do that? So, so there's an element to things that we can't define geographically. We can say, somebody's a believer because... As a man goes, short hair, dressed right, you know, got a right what kind of thing. Everything's good, right language, right talk. That that's fine. But there's it's greater than that. There's there's parts that you can't define, and and it's the same way. You you might legally have the right length of hair as a sister, the right length of dress, the right thing, but but that doesn't mean it's all just what we see because there's another element to it that the reality of it. So so. as as the angels saw all of these things come forth, what what they saw was one thing, what they couldn't understand, because all they saw was angels, all they saw was these things, and what they couldn't understand is how out of that one being, God would take and then there'd be just a male component in Genesis 2. And then after a while, a longing came out of Adam. What they didn't know is this was a reflection of God himself. And they didn't know that this was God who was desiring to do this. And what the angels were watching was like all they'd ever been is mechanically robots, just worship, worship, worship. But, but it was just, it was so natural to them. But they couldn't understand how, how how could God divide himself? And then how can he pull out of his side something in Adam that they they're one, but they're two? And could you imagine standing on the precipice of eternity and seeing this? Now, this is the part I may not get into fully, but, but just stay with me. So the angels are watching this, but they couldn't understand it. So God always has borders. You know, you need, listen, let me just slow down a bit. You need to, anything you do, you need to have borders. You play baseball, you hit the ball, you can hit the ball really good, and if it falls within the borders, everybody cheers you. But if it falls into what they call a foul ball, <laughs> outside the border, oh, come on, you can do better. I hit the ball! <laughs> but it wasn't in the borders. <laughs> you know, and then you, you ever play football with somebody, and, and, and then, you know, it's, it's kind of a makeup flag football game or something, and, you know, we say, okay, these are the borders. Like, you ever see somebody that, that, that gets into a game, and they just take off running? Hey, hang on, the end zone's that way. It's not that way. God puts the borders there. God put the borders for us to dwell in. He gave, in the end, he gave geographical borders for Israel. He said, from this sea to this sea, that's your border. That's your inheritance. That's where I bless you. And he actually said to him, these other borders, that's where Moab is. You leave them alone. So he still has, he's still the God of borders. This message, hey, listen, I believe we ought to be everything to all people, but I would say this message is the calling out of the bride. Yeah. And as, as Brother Branham came to a point in his ministry, he began to see a difference between the church and the bride. And he says, they're two different people, two different covenants. He says, Don't go and 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 try and work in the way because The way God deals with the church and the way he deals with the bride is two different things. If you come to church and you're just coming to church because it's rules and regulations and I'm obeying the rules and regulations, that's good. But to the bride, it's a higher level than that. To the bride, it's a relationship event. It's not rules and regulations. And you can see it with people who've been around the message and around the word and when they leave and then they say, whew, that was such bondage. Oh, now I have liberty. I can do what I want. Listen, I can do what I want too. And I can still be in the borders because there's a spirit that's come in me. That's the border you want to be within. That's where you want to stand. So God, God, God brings these borders and you, know, you, you can take it to different rules. He, he created the borders of what's a man and what's a woman. But what's the devil doing this day? He tries to change those borders. And he's constantly moving the borders. He's constantly doing such and such. So God had to tell them go to Deuteronomy chapter 19, if you will, real quick. You can just put it up, it's just one verse. Deuteronomy 19, verse 14. Thou shalt not remove the neighbor's landmark, which if old time they've set in thine inheritance, which thou shalt inherit in the land that the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it. So God put that border, not just within the land, but there's a landmark for every position. And when Uzziah, a godly king, he, he he, he was there, he was looked up to by the young prophet Isaiah. As long as he stayed in the border God gave him, he was okay. But when the king desired to be the priest and I'll take this thing and I'll do this thing and his hand shriveled up and, and all of this, he went outside the borders. Now, I, I'm, I'm saying all of this because God has established the borders of the message. He's established what's womanhood and what's manhood. He's established priesthood. He's established, he's established the order. All the true ministers are under the prophet, the word of the hour. None of us will go where he is. He, this is the order. I didn't bring that order. Neither did, did, did was David who desired to do things in his own way. You know, the messages Brother Branham spoke at the end of his ministry, and he says, doing God a service without his will, those are so prevalent to the hour we're living in. Yeah. Don't step outside the borders. Don't operate. You must not dislocate the word. You must not do this. David, he he wanted to bring the ark back, a good thing, but he went about it wrong. He went outside the borders. Listen, are you you with me this morning? You help me. The more you help me, the, the quicker I'll get what's off my chest here this morning. So so these are borders that, that God is, and the angels would look down on these borders and they would say, Yeah, this is God, did this, God, this. But then they didn't understand is how did how did this woman come out like there's never been a woman before? And then the prophet would tell us this in, in, in this, he say, think about he says, think about this, he says, <coughs> God has, because there's parts of God that he never had. he says, Romans, Ephesians 1, 9, he talks about the choosing of a bride. Romans 9, 11, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand. He said, the eternal purpose of God was to take a bride of his own choosing. So in other words, when, when, when Israel, Israel, which are the children of God, are not the bride, but when they were in and then... and. Um, They sold Joseph, a type of Christ, into Egypt. And Joseph, through all of this, and finally he ascends to the throne. He's given a bride. God knew all of that from back then. And God knew at the end time, he says this, God, the heart purpose, the eternal purpose of God, was to take a bride of his own choosing, that purpose in himself, and it was eternal before the foundation of the world. So God never had in his mind a denominational system. He never had rules and regulations to be what would govern us, but God wanted to dwell in a people. He wanted to dwell in a bride. He wanted to be a part of her. So he says, before there ever was a speck of stardust, before God was God, and, I don't know, prob- and somebody might have trouble with that, but it's in the message. It's in Malachi 4. God is an object of adoration, and no one was there to worship him. So at that time, he was only potentially God. She was known as the eternal spirit. The bride was already in his mind. Let me, let me say it this way to, to, to somebody who might think, before, you, you can't say that. It's not in the Bible anywhere. Before God was God. If we catch the thought of what we're talking about, there was a movement. God dwelt alone. But he had in his heart an attribute to be a savior. Once that manifested the aloneness of God, once he had it, became a husband, that would never, God would never, if, if there was a movement in that eternal being, he would, once something was manifest, he could never go back. So we're talking about the movement of God towards a people. We're not talking about limiting God. We're not doing that whatsoever. It's just like if you're, if you're a family and, and, and it's a husband and a wife. Well, it, it's wonderful. It's, 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 it's a great thing. And then the minute you have children, reality sets in. <laughs> we used to go out for dinner every Friday night. Now we're changing diapers. Yeah, that's the reality. So, but, but the reality, but, but you couldn't imagine life without them. If, if you're a real parent, you couldn't imagine it. Uh, sometimes you, you, your mind goes there, but, but you couldn't imagine it. You, you, you can't. So, so, like, once God would give birth to the thought of a bride, he could never take it back. Once, once God, once Adam saw that part of himself, Adam, no matter what she did or where she was, Adam would go for her. He would step across a border. Now, I've I got to slow down. Adam... Now, the angels watched all these borders. They knew the holiness border. They knew the sacred sands. They knew everything God had established. But now they see Eve. And and listen, the answer to the devil's question, Eve's answer to the devil's question was not in herself, it was in Adam. (laughs) We have the answer to the devil's question. How do we have it? We have a bridegroom with us. That's the answer. I don't have to clown for the devil. I don't have to go down the path of knowledge. I don't have to be lifted up. I just say, he's my Lord. Nothing else matters. But the the angels saw this and they, they heard the command of God, don't eat of this tree. The day you eat, the day you'll die. And they knew that the minute that happened, the eternal life that was in Adam, the eternal life that was in Eve, the minute they crossed, death had potentially set in. And Adam could have stopped right there, and he says, Eve, you made a big mistake. See you later. But because of the union by which Adam and Eve, she came out of him, he had to step across that border. He had to step down and take a big step there. He had to take a step, and he had to come across for her. The angels would watch all the women in the Bible Sarah, godly woman, different ones. And really, Israel was a nation to God. But as a nation, they, their heart left God. They went, and the Bible would say, they went to a whoring. And Jehovah, who wanted to be with them, his heart bled. And he tells a young prophet named Hosea. Hosea... You see that woman that's a prostitute that's given herself, I want you to marry her. The angels are watching. What's he doing? How could God tell his prophet to go across that border? Because God's dealing is not according to the law. God's dealing is according to his eternal purpose. And God's dealing is according to love. And love reaches beyond every border. Love goes down where man cannot go down. And the angels watch it. How can God tell them to do that? They couldn't understand it. And friends, when we have the love of God, we won't just stop and say, okay, you don't quite measure up. No, no. We don't even look at that sometimes because love will cover a multitude of sins. Love will reach out where someone is in sin and it'll reach out and say, I love you anyhow, I'll bring you back. Now, you won't stay out there outside those borders because love will bring you back. Ezekiel 16, you read it sometime. I found you. You were polluted in your own blood. You were, that's every one of us. That's, Brother Bob, that's what you were praying about this morning. <laughs> Where was I? Who was I? But his love reached down to me. He reached down to me. And, and that's the thing that pulls me up. Friends, that's what makes the, the Godhead... The Godhead, how can a, a God who's divided into three really love me? But the, the when you see a God that was one, the one that was up there, that came into flesh, not just came into flesh, but took my place, bled for me, died me because he loved me so much. How could you not love him back? The greatest love story that was ever written. my. Thanks, Brother Glenn. Can you, can you give me just 15, please? 15. Thank you. Eight. This is, is going to take you in a different scripture, but the, the enemy is trying to move the borders of how we can have church, of how we can worship, how we can do things. But God doesn't look at those. If you, if you look at the United Nations, and I'll go into it in one service, but there's a, there's a new image in front of the United Nations. And it's a beast. And it fulfills Scripture. It's just a symbol. But the United Nations has for years told Israel, they've said, you cannot have your land beyond the 1967 borders. He says, you mean the borders that we gave you, we gave you back then. But he says, when you took the land back from Egypt and such, they say, well, they started the war. We just took back what was ours, what was always ours in the Bible. We took it back. But the United Nations says, no, you can't. And they'll always call it occupied land. Israel never refers to it as that. No, that's not occupied land. That's our right. God gave us that land. God gave us this. And I'd say, we have a right today. Our land is our life in the Holy Ghost. It's the God that promised us, you can have healing. You can have joy. You can have peace. That's our land. And we have every right to take it back. We have every right to say, God gave me that love. It's our land. I don't have to beg the devil for it. I just have to say, Lord, it is my inheritance. And I think we need to change that narrative of the devil. saying, no, you can only have this. Listen, that happened in the days of Pharaoh. You know, you can go and worship, but only so far. And Brother Harold spoke a message on so far religion. Yeah, the devil says, so far and no more. He'll bargain with you. He'll say, Okay, I'll give you this as long as you do this. No, we don't bargain with him. We don't listen to him. We have one master. The Lord has spoke to us. And, 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 and it was in the days of Daniel. Yeah, you, you know, you can't eat the king's bread. You, can't, you have to eat the king's bread. He says, no, let us prove our bread. Let us prove what we can eat. And after 10 days, they looked better than all those around the king's table. Okay, you're blessed. Go ahead. But you know, the devil always wants to change those borders. And after a while, the borders changed again. Whosoever prays unto any other God, that can do it. Did that stop Daniel? No, it didn't stop him. He kept serving God. And God stood for him. Yeah. Numbers chapter 16. Moses up on the mount. I'm not going to take all the examples today. He came down. There was many things. But we took part of this last week. Numbers chapter 16. And this was where the uprising of Dathan and Korah and all all that were there. And then the earthquake came and swallowed them up. Verse 41. After all of this happened on the morrow, the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. I mean, what else do you need to see? You have killed the people of the Lord. Friends, those spirits are still in the earth today. And it came to pass when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron that they looked towards the tabernacle of the congregation and behold, the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. So there was a time when it was, seemed like it was man against man, opinion against opinion, but then there's a time that God came. And Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation, and the Lord said to Moses, get up from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. And Moses said unto Aaron, take a censer. And he began to put the fire from the altar and he made an atonement for Israel and he staved the wrath of God. Friends, you and I all know someone that we might even say is crossing a line. That doesn't mean it's over. And I would say, if we govern ourselves by rules and regulations, and I would say rules and regulations are for the church but they're not meant as a hammer. They're not meant as judgment because the, our underlying motive for the bride has to be love. My, my motive for serving him is love. My, my motive for praying for someone is love. I don't want to see them lost. It's the end. It's the last time. And I say this love can stretch out further than the law could ever stretch. The anointing that comes down in this day, and you might say the anointing is so that we enforce the rules and the regulations. But I would say the anointing as it falls on the bride, they're governed by love. Not just by rules and right now, love will guide you in the right place, but it'll also reach reach out, it'll move here, it'll do that. And that's where we need to live, friends. Oh, it's my you know, as long as I pay my tithes and I show up at church and I'm okay. If, if, if that's all you have in you, do it with all your heart. But I'll say this, I, I, I can't see my life just here in this church. I see this as an extension of something here. I don't see myself as a mortal being trying to gain etern- eternity. I see myself as an eternal being living in time. And when you begin to see yourself living in time, it changes your attitudes. That's why Brother Branham, somebody wanted to cheat him, and he says, and, and, and they wanted to cheat him out of a tent, and he signed it. He says, it's just a little trial before the foundation of the world. That's an eternal being living in time. Where are we living? We are not living where we lived 10 years ago. We have moved closer I, I will say it this way. There are others that have passed on just to the other side. It, it's, it's just a, a briefing glimpse, but it's, it's, it's so close. It's so real. And, and Brother Branham would, would actually say this in, in, in the message, and he would say, this is in the message, uh, what was the Holy Ghost given for? He said, the church is waiting on you and me, Adoption time that God can pour in his fullness, his power, his resurrection, when the church and Christ become so close till Christ becomes visible among us and raises the dead and we go into a rapture. Now, I, I, can, I can read another one, but there's a, there's a woman on her deathbed, and I, I won't have the time to share the quote verbatim, but there's a woman on her deathbed, she's blind, and she's passing on. And as she's passing on, you know, her words are being mumbled. And all of a sudden, they become clear. And she says, oh, I can see them. What was she seeing? Not in this dimension anymore. In that dimension over there. They're over there. Oh! And as and it becomes so close. Friends, it becomes to a point where I believe. I love Brother Ken. But I believe We may see Brother Ken before the rapture. I believe he may show up somewhere. And and when you begin to see those things happening, you talk about a quickening. You talk about something that tells you, the move is on, my Lord. The move is on. I think we're living in that season. Listen, this isn't all about fear, about what's here, but it's about the pull. The pull that's leaving us. The pull that's calling us. That's what's in, in us. We are members of a body. And here's Moses and Aaron. They could have wielded judgment, but they interceded. As Brother Moses took it on Wednesday. Abraham, you know, here's God. God purposely stops by to see Abraham before he goes down to pronounce judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. Knowing, knowing that Abraham would intercede. No, please, please. Lord, don't let it be. And here's in verse, I'm still in number 16. And Aaron, as Moses commanded, ran in the midst of the congregation. The plague was put among the people and he put on incense and he made an atonement for the people. Verse 48. And he stood between the dead and the living. Now we might think, The border is actually when Los Angeles goes into the ocean. We may think the border is when they shut these churches down. But the border may actually happen before that. When there's a group of people sealed in and there's a group of people sealed out. Today is the day of salvation. I I, want to be a little more circumspect about service about my attitude, about my thoughts, about my, where, I, where I'm living, where I'm dwelling. I'm, I'm just about done here. He'll say, when a man proves and God loves him, he takes him out to himself. In the front of the angels, he does something for them. He lifts him up there before the angels in the presence of God and gifts him and fills him and sends him out. That's the age we're living in. God's going to dwell in a people. The same Holy Spirit that saved the Lutherans, that sanctified the Methodists, baptized the Pentecostals, is now setting in order the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now it's not just heaven trying to pull us up or us trying to get up there, but there's a relationship that already exists. There's a bond that we, we cannot be separated from. The same bond between Adam and his bride. The same bond between, between Jesus and his bride. He aches for us. He longs for us. And he says this. And as we as a body are connected. He says, now that same Holy Spirit that saved the Lutherans, the Methodists, the Pentecostals is now setting in order the coming of the Lord Jesus. It'll be so powerful. Powerful. That body will come into a group of a church that will draw the rest of them from a grave. Now, can you believe that we're living in that hour? We are living in that hour. We are in that time right now. It's not that far off. Let's have the musicians come. I've kept you long. I didn't get it all off my heart, but that's okay. I knew I wouldn't. I never do. I, I, I break into eternity when I preach, and I only have to take the little part for time that we're in right now. We're living in a time. The New Testament church. If you, if you look, Brother Branham made comments way back in 1953 and 1956. One thing I desire, he says, more than a church that is full of gifts, more than a church that is full of things, but he says, I desire to see a church that is so in harmony that if there was be one wrong thought, it would be called out. Now, this is another service, but would be one thought because it happened before. And there was a couple that came to a service, and they thought they were looking at Peter, but they didn't know it was the Holy Ghost. And they packed it amongst themselves. Tell them that we sold the land for this much. Tell them we sold everything if they would have just come and said, we only sold this much, nothing would have happened. But they were conspiring against the Holy Ghost. Now that, that's kind of a somber way to end it. But I, I would say, would you want to attend that church? I would. Because I don't want to hide anything. I want While I'm here, I want to say, let every thought, let every feeling. Lord, because if I'm going to eternity, it's not going to be, Somebody flicks a switch on, and then it's changing over there. The change is here. I say, oh, Lord, mold me, shape me, make me what I ought to be, Lord. I, I, I know I'm one of them. I know I'm not operating under fear that I'll be lost. But, Lord, I, I'm operating that I, that I wouldn't come to my fullness. Let me come to my fullness. Let me come to a place where I can love everybody. Let me come to a place where I can, I, I can be Christ, or Christ can be in me. Let's stand together this morning. Thank you for your patience this morning. My, I can't believe I, I did that. We started at 11:15 and I'm at 12:15, so I, I did it. Those of you who didn't think I could do it, ha, take that. So <laughs> Oh my, my, my. Well, I, I, I wanted to sing a, a cor- let's just sing, "I feel the pull, I feel the pull.) <laughs>
2: I feel the pull
1: pleasing, pleasing again. If you actually take the words of Hebrews chapter 11, where God's, the Bible says that we only can please Him by faith. If you actually take that word please, it means to excite, to bring emotion. I, I want to just say it this way. Do you think God is happier to see us regimented and there is an element of discipline and fulfill his word by duty or is he more excited, more pleased when we as free moral agents not we get down because I have to pray but we get down because Lord I just love you I just want to be with you I love fellowshipping with you Lord you're my life My life isn't down here, but my life, I'm looking forward to the day I can walk with you. When you can take me by the hand and lead me through the promised land. What what do you think God would find pleasure in? When you come home and your wife is there, did you wash my laundry today? Did you make me supper like I asked? Did you do this? Or it's like, I did this for you and, I, and I, by the way I got you your favorite such and such and I thought you might like this oh, when that happens all the rules are out the window you're in a higher plane yeah. do you want to do we want to just live in I, I don't, I don't want to make this service about bondage I want to make it about liberty I don't want to make it about you better line up or else no that, that's not what I'm here about I'm just saying, we are in that season where it's, we're moving into a depth of relationship. Now, the prophet would often talk about Enoch. But it said he walked with God. And and he would make the analogy, he would go down a road every day with God. And then he'd go back to his home. And the next day he'd go down the road he'd go a little further. And it was such a wonderful time, not just for Enoch, but for God. God so enjoyed it. And then Enoch would just come a little further, and one day he got to a certain place, and God says, you know, why don't you just come home with me? That's not so far off of where we're at. Let me walk with you, Jesus. Let me be pleasing to you. This is a relationship. This is a love affair. Maybe you haven't lived there, but along the way as we've been talking, you just say, "I I believe it's there. Grant me grace to walk into that, Lord. Let's just sing pleasing, pleasing. to me. Consume